Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. <laughs> 18! Hey! hey. hey. It's a floor 18. That's <laughs> We're right. We're going to count it. Totally counts. I didn't touch it. <laughs> so, new game. Clear clear boards, clear bingo cards, new game. Oh, good call. Oh, that was a good <laughs> bingo. Okay. Amnesty was a good bingo. Now we're on to a new one. Dust. We get to see Trav return to the, the game master seat here. And for some of us who are bad listeners, it's if their first a... time <laughs> hearing Trav be at the at the helm. That is true. You know what I love about Trav already as a game master? What do you love about Trav? This fucking showmanship he brings to the table <laughs> at like the very start of the episode. I was just like, "There's my boy. Let's go." It was it was very pure that he wanted to explain his title in advance. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone else feel the dust in their throat? <laughs> No, I didn't. (laughs) I know what that feeling is so deeply. Like, living in Mountain Village, that's all you had was dust in your throat in the summer. Because we didn't have... And in Barrow, same thing. We don't have paved roads, so it's just dust all the time. So that was very visceral for me. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, uh, Travis, for taking me back to that. (laughs) Yeah, we've had this picture painted of this small western town. Yeah, we don't know specifically where in the West, but we know that this area is called the Crescent Territory. And I think we're, we're assuming that since there was formerly a river there that had dried up and now the town is called Dry River, that it's probably somewhere like Arizona, Utah, California, somewhere somewhere in the, the deserty kind of region. Yeah, that's what I took away, you know, especially when they touched on the fact that like, this isn't going to be the literal American West, mm-hmm. because fuck that, <laughs> which I appreciate very much. It's almost like the fantasy version of that. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that this is not werewolf versus vampire versus human, but more of the, um, the oh, good, ah, what are they called? Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like family versus family, which is way more fun, I think, than having, oh, you're this kind of person and you're this kind of person. Yeah, yeah, it's not a racial thing. It is a familial, it's a territorial kind of thing. A little bit of a political thing. Yeah. They've already taken these very um, tropey ideas and made something more interesting with them. Because, like we just said, it's set in the West, but not the shitty West. It's a, <laughs> it's a fantasy West. and fancy West. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's what we're calling it now. They live in the fantasy west. And oh, I thought it's... you said fancy. Fancy. No. Well, maybe that too. Maybe fancy it is. fantasy west. Hopefully. If Fingers you... crossed. Justin's character sounds like a fancy man. This is true. But yeah, like the fact that they're sidestepping what you expect from these things that have been done to death in media. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to the opportunity that they had with the Monster of the Week system, um, which mm-hmm. is under the same sort of heading category of of game system to to take it and but have it be open-ended enough that you can play more within that space instead of falling Mm -hmm. into um you know these familiar mythologies that the whole point in this one is that there isn't a locked in mythology about any of these characters so you can do vampires however you feel like doing vampires and you can do Mm -hmm. werewolves however it suits your story and you can you have this flexibility to change 
that mythology that's so familiar to be something new for you. Absolutely. Well, and here's something I'm curious about because you mentioned Urban Shadows is in the same... It's it, it's power. They're both both games, Monster of the Week and Urban Shadows, are sort of subsystems. I'm not sure what the technical term is. Okay. Under powered by the apocalypse, so they they follow a lot of the same structural systems. Yeah. Yeah, because my note just said um, we're going to be learning working with a new system, but it's <laughs> I couldn't think of how I wanted to word it, so I just wrote it's grown in the same garden as Monster of the Week. <laughs> so even as we're going through, it's still gonna be new for everybody but but familiar yeah some familiarity but but not too familiar right oh geez (laughs) not too not familiar that is that is staggeringly accurate in this particular case yeah because you're you're still working with the same kind of dice you're still working with the same kind of roles you just have a different framework more or less about how you deal with those roles so it's just like in the previous system where you 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 build your characters based on archetypes which are pretty loose starting points and then you work within that to create your character, and then it gives you some guidelines about what moves you can do, uh, how you, how you handle harm, all of the stuff that we're familiar with. It's just slightly different, but it means that when they start yeah. doing gameplay, you're you're highly unlikely to be confused. I don't think that you have to worry too much in this one about the technicality. The primary difference is just that the goal of the system is different. Yeah. So, There's... like Travis said. In Monster of the Week, it's kind of about there's a big monster and we have to kill the big bad. But this is way, way more focused on social politics, is I think what I would call it. Interactions between characters, interactions between you and the factions, which are like political forces in in your world. So it's, it's it's going to be a different way to go about what your goals are in the game. So I'm I'm certainly interested on how this is going to end up playing out and how this is all going to work. But Trav even kind of said himself, he likened it to how, you know, goofy the interactions were in, say, Balance and mm-hmm. how this is not, that's not going to work here. Yeah. And I'm, I'm here. I can't wait to see what they do with this. But I have to say, I am, like, starving for the jackassery that we got in Balance. <laughs> right. Oh, when he said that, and Justin kind of turned it and was like, so I'm basically being penalized for being funny, I kind of feel like he's right. Like, it's, it's going to be interesting. I uh-huh. think they're going to play it well. Of they course. always come through. But absolutely, that's something that all, all three of these arcs have really missed. And Jeez, I can't even say. We haven't even started this one. But is that just kind of play off each other? Goof, goof, dildo. Goofy, goofy, goofy. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think some of that is maybe just time. I, I mean, I think well, Travis it certainly is. was. I don't think he meant that you couldn't do comedy. I think he meant specifically that you can't like tell Jenkins that his bow tie looks right. stupid because this whole <laughs> game system is based around this this idea of debt as currency. Sure, sure. So it's it's about what you owe people and what. So there's a lot of persuading people to do things. So it's less like politics and well, it's more like high school. I think. Oh God! We're yeah, all it's out. kind of kind of more like that. Yeah, so it's like more more West Side. Maybe it's kind of West Side Story. It's it's that kind of thing, you know, where you're yeah. trying to you're trying to stay in a good place with the right people. But I mean, then it it, it opens up a different possibility for directions to go with the characters and the storyline with the corruption dynamic that they start talking about, Ooh, which with is Justin's very character. interesting. Yeah. So let's let's hop over to the characters. Uh, top of the order is Augustus, which. Does sound like a ghostess. I thought the same thing as soon as I said it. And a ghostess is a former CEO of a cashew company. <laughs> I like yes. 
I yeah, had and- to make sure I heard that right. Like, I wrote it down, but wasn't sure I was writing down the correct thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure why he went with cashews. To be honest, because this is not the right climate to That's grow what cashews I in. But then I was like, I'm not what gonna, the fuck I mean, do I know? Look, he's a ghost. I'm not going to argue. Uh, you know, <laughs> they want to if they want to grow cashews in the desert, I'm fine I with guess it. But cashews, uh, maybe in the fantasy west or the fancy west, you can grow <laughs> cashews. Uh, well, clearly you can. We are. I am quite curious about what exactly his sins as a living person were involving cashews. <laughs> what What are cashews? It gets real dark in the cashew business. Well, what I'm thinking is it does. If you know anything about the pecan and the walnut business, it is dirty, dirty deeds. But Clearly what I I'm wondering not. is because you, <laughs> you're right. Like this is not in no way, shape or form. Is this going to be the right uh, environment for growing cashews? <laughs> so, so my thought is yeah. he is the CEO. He is in control of whatever farm is Growing cashews probably in a low-income country and where he is working his... people to death, and these are mm. his sins. Oh. And he has to, like, because he's all about that bottom line. He doesn't mm-hmm. even talk to his poor daughter. Like, So they're so not... That's, been... It's not happening here. He is not the farm owner. Yeah. He is the CEO uh, of the right. company getting the cashews to wherever they need to be. Which is yeah, that right that now. makes more sense. Although he does mention later that he may have been murdered by one of the mining company guys over land. So theoretically, he was growing cashews there. But I think again, it's a fantasy universe. Maybe we shouldn't split hairs unless he was doing something else with that land. That's possible. Mm-hmm. We don't know I mean, yet. So okay, let's not get down this road. <laughs> we do I'm wait. Weed. We I'm have... weed. I will go off wait, wait, on wait. all the little branches and make all the connections. This this is this is an important important part of the weeds, which is that Justin slipped a joke in there that probably nobody got, and it is not a reference per se. But I thought it was strange when he said that the daughter's name is uh, Anacardium, and I was like. That's a weird, that's a weird name, Justin. Where did you pull that from? So I, I looked it up. I was like, oh, I wonder if it's somebody's Twitter handle. It is, in fact, Anacardium Occidental is the, the Latin name for the cashew plant. Oh, my gosh. So this oh guy gosh. straight up named his child Cashew. Listen. Amazing. He's that, I, he's that deep. Now I have a theory. And it's going to take <laughs> you cool babies to have listened to this and Mabim Bam, Nuthead. <laughs> the, the horror do you guys remember that episode Brittany? i don't know if you listened to this one I, I wish i could forget the boys on their comedy advice show ended up coming up with a better creepypasta scp level story creature than i would say 98 percent of the people who are like actually trying out there so maybe this is the nuthead origin it's this is all part the... of the cinematic universe of of nuthead yeah nuthead <laughs> originates here i'll have to have you send me the uh episode number i'm pretty sure it's called nuthead so i think it is yes now that i think about it (laughs) what i think is kind of fun or at least very different is normally justin makes a character that is incredibly loved Mm -hmm. and immediately a fan favorite Mm -hmm. and this guy is is kind of everything we don't like yeah and justin's aware of it yeah so a part of me is wondering, did he do this specifically to kind of subvert this? Yeah. It could be. I think you want to, yeah, I mean, you want to keep playing different types, don't you? I mean, you want to yeah. keep playing with, with something different. And Well, and he's played different types every time. It's just he's always played 
Somebody super who... lovable characters, and mm-hmm. this guy is not lovable yeah. like, at all. Yeah. I think it was an interesting direction to take a ghost character to make them, in many ways, not sympathetic, especially because, Absolutely. like I mentioned before, the, the corruption mm-hmm. uh, aspect of this game is one of the most interest, potentially interesting things to play with in uh-huh. this specific system, that the more powerful you become the less agency you have over your own character. Yeah. Which is a, a really different thing to balance than in any other tabletop game that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Well, and I liked Griffin's example using video games and how, you know, sometimes in games you get to choose this the more righteous and the more villainous path and how that doesn't mm-hmm. usually actually affect the gameplay itself. Whereas it sounds like here, it's going to affect your character. Like, if you go corrupt, essentially you lose. And I think that that's a really interesting kind of threat of which you have to be mindful while playing mm-hmm. a game. Especially because the corruption, the corruption moves are super tempting because it's mm-hmm. things like possessing someone or appearing to them in their dreams. So it's fun. It's fun stuff that he's going to want to do. Yeah. But then you have mm-hmm. to sort of balance that against what would happen to your character, what's going to happen in the story. Right. So I think he has a, with this specific character who already has kind of interesting powers and an interesting backstory because you can't really win if you're a ghost, right? Because you're already dead. If the only thing that he really wants is to come back to life and have his business back, that's never going to happen. So I do think it's it's given him an interesting place to play in of how do you develop this person and make them interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I like like villains. I I like complicated villains. Right. Actually good, interesting villains. So I'm, I'm, I'm I'm still into this. You know what's going to be great in Dust? Moving down the list here, we were just talking about Justin's variety of characters and how he's always trying something new. And I feel like for the most part, Clint tends to play a particular kind of character and he kind of stays within a certain wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So I think we're all probably pretty interested to see what's going to come of Gandy Dancer. Yeah. Who sounds nothing like any anything he's even done. I love that he even said she's a magic user, which he doesn't even count Merle as a magic user. <laughs> he, the, the best self-owned oh in it the was history so of Adventure funny. Zone, quite possibly. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to see him outside of his comfort zone, yeah. I think. And, you know, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with his comfort zone, because he's incredibly good oh at God. it. But Right. Um, like, it makes sense, the characters he's played. Yeah. Yeah. But this is this is supposed to be the fun bit, is is being somebody who's really vastly different than you, and mm-hmm. trying to understand what that means. Yeah. I think that Clint's, one of his strengths that he does always play to is that he seems to really like doing research and really like doing backstory. Yeah. So I did look up the, the, this term, Gandhi Dancer, that he had sort of alluded he'd named the character after. Mm-hmm. So it turns out it's the, it's the railroad workers who would tamp down the earth between ties as they were, railroad ties as they were being laid. Wow. There's actually some really cool video of um, some people doing this okay. uh, because they used to do it with a call and response kind of chant thing to stay in rhythm with each other. And there is, is a very answers? old video of that online. Yeah, yeah. That's it's super cool. cool. And uh, one of the best things about Gandhi is that uh, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> we got a hot and doll watch. <laughs> it is extremely on brand for me personally and for the podcast in general. Certainly. My favorite part about the haunted doll is his name is Michael. Michael. <laughs> that's that's on my brand. <laughs> Just like when you have this world of these imaginative, wonderful names and then Michael. That's my favorite kind of stuff. Michael, which is a famous angel name, and yet this doll is haunted Ooh, by a demon. See, and I didn't even think mm-hmm. of that. 
good And I don't know point. if he did that on purpose. Yeah, well, a no, lot like of that. a lot of demons used to be angels. Shown up. So. Maybe we'll get the origin of Michael in the McElroy shared universe. All right, can we can we talk about what I've been waiting to? You may have noticed I haven't talked all that much because I was saving it all for this. <laughs> we can we finally arrived. Yes, go. The floor is yours. All right, let me let me let me put my hard eyes on really quick. Mm-hmm. Holy <laughs> shit! I wrote. I was like, Griffin was reading my diary to create this guy. Like yeah. this is everything I've ever hoped and dreamed about. If you guys thought I was like. Heavy on to uh, Barclay, which I was. This is my bread and butter. This is exactly every every part of this. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) we've got Errol Ryehouse. Yeah. Werewolf politician. Yeah. (laughs) Always have transformed. Just permanently in that like protector, good guy. Like every oh my (laughs) golly, I just. I'm so excited. A werewolf president, which I'm We're just... learning so much about your ideal type. <laughs> right? Really not that odd. Even now it's like Barclay shows up. Bernie just full on palmed Barclay's face and pushed him away to see, to like <laughs> narrow in on Errol over here. Sorry, Barclay. You were two weeks ago. Oh. Barclay, I still love you, but come on. Come on. All right. So what I enjoy about this Mm -hmm. is that they have played around with the whole werewolf vampirism that it is almost strictly uh, genetics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they talk about how there's wizardry and magic and everything. Um, What I want to know more about is when do the werewolf powers manifest? Yeah. And is that true with vampirism as well? Like, mm. do suddenly at one period, like, oh, suddenly all I want to drink is blood. Do vampires live forever? Are werewolves beholden to the moon? Or can they kind of change right. as they want to? There's so, so much that I'm so excited to find out about. Because, uh, like they said, there is a lore. But it's not... It's not your typical... It's not your typical. And it is in so many different... Uh, versions of vampires and werewolves it's different Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so teen wolf the movie Uh is what griffin is talking about all the time yeah surfing on cars (laughs) and then there's teen wolf the tv show right (laughs) which are completely different things and come at werewolves or or the uh lycanthropy in totally different ways so i'm excited to see which kind of road he goes on this and then where it branches off and how it goes back to the main road. Um, Because it's always good. Sure. That man turning into beast sort of scenario. Right. Or, oh my God. Okay, so another thing. So I had, when, when did the powers manifest? And then for Errol specifically, when did he decide to try to turn it off? It sounds like maybe, maybe pretty immediately. Yeah, if he was already in office in some place. I mean, he could have been quite young, I suppose, but he's only he's only been in town for eight months, and we don't mm-hmm. know whether he was somewhere else before that or if it was mm-hmm. where he had originally fled from, but it sounds like it was pretty recent. Just because of the little bits of timing that we're getting right now, it sounds like, yes, he was elsewhere, maybe within the same state or whatever, but I feel like this attempt, I, I would guess not too, too long ago, Simply because he's only been here eight months and he's here with the person who tried to change him right. and they're both in hiding mm-hmm. from this other group whose name I forgot to write down. The Banshee. So, the Banshee. The magical magical you. mafia, apparently. Yeah. 
Uh, I want to sign up for that role. Sounds like a bad combo. <laughs> McElroy's, if you're listening, I want to be the head of that group. Oh no, here comes Nell with the banshees. <laughs> Nobody takes me seriously. She's five foot four. Why are we listening to her? <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like his character changed for the better. This is where I think his does get really interesting. I feel like similar in how Remy kind of brought a little bit of uh, buoyancy and joyfulness to commitment. Not, not that it was lacking it per se, but it almost sounds like Errol might do a little bit of the same, especially mm-hmm. in this kind of setting where it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more, I don't want to say somber because I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, gritty though. Gritty, yeah. yeah it's a little. Um, but him choosing the excitable characteristic and him, mm-hmm. you know, having Errol's kind of outlook be that oh, he was so hell-bent on, like, just becoming, like, just being a plain human so he could run for office. And then when he didn't get that, his response being, well, you know what, I'm okay like this. And I just have to make sure that, you know, his concern now being his territory, it's really sweet. Like, immediately we're kind of, he sounds like a very endearing character. Um, So you totally lucked out on this one, Brittany Bailey. He sounds pretty great. (laughs) I think that's a that's a cool analog too to to give a werewolf character more dimension that he used to be a politician who mm-hmm. was protective of their neighborhood but then you've got this kind of overlap with a werewolf protecting their territory or yeah. their pack and it, cool. it it gives him motivations that that makes sense instead of it mm-hmm. just being like this werewolf is completely different than who I am that it's just some facet of who he is yeah mm-hmm. Well, and I can already see the fan fiction of this, where he becomes president, <laughs> half transformed right. and all. He and we love makes it through. <laughs> this is the um, afternoon or after school special where you rise above <laughs> mm-hmm. and your dreams can Anybody come true. Anybody can succeed Arrow. in America. Yes, that's right. It's true. Fantasy American America. Dream. <laughs> USA. The second, this, <laughs> that's how we the end the show. Basic. We don't do any closer. <laughs> it's just all of us chanting USA. <laughs> the second that they said werewolf president i immediately like bam i know what the poster looks like oh my god i wish i i'm not sure i have the skill to pull that one off but oh, uh, i can help you <laughs> i bet you do i bet you don't even need my help you got this but yeah i and i i love how excited griffin is about this character too oh, i think yeah. if, if somebody you i mean you don't i don't know if you have to be audibly excited about your character yeah. but he's definitely really stoked and really into this interested in this person and that makes me interested in him too and why wouldn't he be um i definitely have the most i won't say now i will say it um i have the most questions about him but that's also because i'm so deep into wanting to know about lycanthropy and how yeah different characters deal with it and whatnot and just knowing what i know about it and seeing if it kind of relates to what they are thinking as well so yeah. I feel bad that I was like, yeah, Gandhi, whatever. And Errol, because obviously <laughs> I'm very excited about all the characters. I, They always play them to such the perfect extreme. But I do think it's going to be fun that we've got one character that who seems so good-hearted. Yeah. And so focused on making things better versus another character who is almost the exact opposite of like, I am in this for me and mm-hmm. mine. And... And he's going to go corrupt really fast, so... Yeah. Augustus is, um... Looking out for number one. And then there's Gandhi, who I think I can relate to most here, because she's just like, fuck you, I'm going to live forever. And girl, (laughs) I'm down. I'm into it. 
that's what I'd written down was I'm very excited to see her interactions with the ghost. And like, and Nell playing the Banshee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you the Banshee or are you just part of the faction? Um, I'm like the head of the faction. Oh, good. So no one's ever met I think you the, and the Banshee's the Banshee's not a person though, isn't isn't it the organization? Yeah, but I'm the head right, of the organization. Right, so she's the head of it. Because Banshee is plural. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just the, the queen okay, Banshee. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. It was interesting in this one that they described their appearances. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought that was that was really cool, and I liked their thoughtfulness behind it. So I just wanted to say that it happened again, and if you play Overwatch, um, this one really was by accident. I had this other drawing of Augustus already started, but then listen, they described them, and it sounded like it would be Jack Morris. Wait, Jack Morrison. Okay. <laughs> did you think I said Zach Morris from I Saved for by sure the did. <laughs> I had so much hope. <laughs> Go Bayside. So it sounds like Hana Song, a.k.a. Diva, hanging out with her dad, ah. Jack Morrison, a.k.a. Soldier 76, and Gabriel Reyes, a.k.a. Reaper. <gasps> That's kind of where I was like, well, now I know where my, my start-off point is going to be. Um, I love it. When drawing these guys, I guess. You're going to have to send me pictures, because I didn't get any further than uh, than picturing Augustus as um, Sam Elliott in Tombstone, mm. so obviously my <laughs> references are a little out of date. My initial thought with Augustus, until they started describing the other two characters, was kind of this, almost similar to the way that they described John and Balance, was kind of where my mind was initially <laughs> yeah. going with him. But then they described Gandhi, and they described Errol, and Overwatch it is. I'll either draw them or I'll just link pictures of the three of them on our Twitter. <laughs> just be like, here are your heroes. Just put like a big uh, old Westy mustache. I'm on gonna seventy six. I'm gonna put a mustache on seventy six. I'm gonna put sepia tone over everything, and I'm <laughs> gonna God. put some puppy ears on Reyes, and everybody's gonna be like, oh, I see. I will say though, even as Reaper, he talks about how he has a hood on. <gasps> it's true. There you go, you guys. Listen. Dunzo. Oh no, I'm just I'm just now realizing we don't exactly know what halfway into transformation looks like, which means he might have cute little ears. I think he's um, going to have cute little ears. That would be adorable. I mean, I know what I'm thinking. Derek? <laughs> oh, for sure. Not your cat? No, not my cat, werewolf. <laughs> a little swarthy. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I just realized that was a Teen Wolf reference. I never thought of, I just thought you named your cat Derek. <laughs> I mean, that's what most people think, and that's totally fine. But there are a few that look at me like, is it after Derek the werewolf? I go, yeah. And then we move on with our lives. I knew it had to be because I was like, who in the hell names a cat Derek? <laughs> oh, this girl. Can I do a quick shout out with our poll from the last... Uh... Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that uh-huh. up. All right. So... If you uh, follow our Twitter or go to our Twitter, which is at Romancing Zone, uh, two weeks ago in preparation for the start of Dust, we put a poll out saying, Mm -hmm. choose your team, werewolves, vampires, humans, or BFF horses. And (laughs) I got to give a shout out to my werewolves. We came in at 42%. So proud. They're my peeps. That's my pack. And what up? Yeah, way to go, werewolves. Way to represent. Vampires, we'll get them next time. Uh, what were the other numbers on there? 42% werewolves, 36% BFF horses, 
19% vampires and 3% humans. Yeah, that was that was my one. I was the only I was the only vote for team human. And is team one. human. She's the only one at that convention. Just standing like um, just me. Maybe Anne is the queen banshee. She was one human and she made a whole team. That's that's the new lore here. So yes, well done, werewolves. Yay. Werewolves are so hot right now. They're very hot. We're gonna right have now. a pack meet up later. <laughs> okay, so to wrap up here, I'm just gonna reiterate what Trav left us with this week in preparation for next week. And our story starts like this. The son of the prominent vampire family is dead. And the son of the prominent werewolf family was found with the body and has been blamed mm-hmm. for the death. Who else is his already m- thinking love story? <laughs> you fucking know. I was like, well, yeah, he was trying to save his boyfriend. Star-crossed lovers. There you go. The His mother called in Team Grayson, which is Augustus and Errol and Gandy, to come investigate this. And here's where it gets really interesting and where we can discuss a little bit is the notion that it is midnight and you have eight hours to solve this. Does this mean that this is going to be real time? Hmm, probably not. But I will say the the countdown is is also part of the game mechanic. It didn't it didn't have to be. Oh, okay. I mean, obviously, it's a really dramatic thing as well. But um, some of the uh, it's it's not actually the game master in the system. It's it's MC. I actually thought Travis was just saying he wanted to be the MC at first, but it is actually MC. You are actually master of ceremonies. Fantastic. Uh, but there's a, a countdown clock, which is I hope I can remember this three six. 9, 10, 11, 12. And you plot out um, escalating events as as the MC along oh, okay. that timeline. So it, it already has this concept of this built-in clock, which, of course, really accelerates the tension. So I'm guessing that it, it might be four episodes, maybe five. Uh, so you do, like, till three, sense. till six, till nine, and then finale. Yeah. No, that mm-hmm. tracks. And, man, that's a hell of a premise. Aha. Uh-huh. City, city on the edge. About powder keg about to go off. Mm-hmm. It's totally a love story, though. Calling it <laughs> right now. Listen, romancing the zone. It's in our name. We're calling it. It's a romance. Right? We can't not. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, next week we officially kick off dust, and in the meantime, we do have one more question for you. Is there such a thing as a cool vest? We'll have a poll up over on Twitter at Romancing Zone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. Mm-hmm.